the All Out Kentucky Podcast. to the All Out Kentucky Podcast, your home for the Kentucky Wildcats men's basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. Now, luckily for us and the rest of Big Blue, Ma- Blue Nation, March Sadness is officially over, and with that, we now have the offseason. Things are starting to heat up team has changed a lot. There's a lot more changes to come and we got a lot to break down. We're going to go over the men's basketball roster today. We're going to get you all caught up to date with important decisions, players leaving, what's going on inside the head of some of these young men. And uh, yeah, with that being said, I don't think there's any better place to start than with the National Consensus Player of the Year. The Big O, the big man on campus, Mr. Oscar Sheway. And we're going to bring in Sam to break it all down for us because Mr. Sheway's got quite the decision to make, Sam. And uh, I know the people want to know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. Excited to talk about the Big O because, I mean, gosh, when you think about Oscar Sheway, how can you not smile? I mean, gosh, that that guy just brings a light to the campus to Big Blue Nation, and uh, there's a huge decision on the line, that is for sure, and, you know, he's got a couple of options, I know he's he's weighing the decision heavily, and, you know, he's kind of leaving it up to God, so I hope he can make it quick, because he did actually, for Big Blue Nation that may may not know, um, he actually did finally put a timetable on when this decision is going to be rendered, and that's uh, within the next week or two, actually, so I feel like the rest of the nation and myself, I'm sure AJU as well, we are just sitting on pens and needles waiting for Big O to make his decision. But uh, truthfully, there is a lot that is going into this decision. I'm I'm happy to break this down, but ultimately, uh, there's no better place to start than NIL, name, image, and likeness. So uh, for those of you that don't know, Oscar Sheway came over from the Congo of the Dominican Republic. And he is currently not a U.S. citizen. So what does that mean for trying to make the cash here as a college student? Um, many of you who may remember that late in this past season, Oscar actually did become eligible with an exception to start receiving NIL deals. Uh, however, for myself and a large part of Big Blue Nation, what wasn't on our radar is that that money that he was earning from his name, image, and likeness was actually being held, and he was not being able to redeem any of his earnings. If he did, that would regulate or go against national leg- legislation laws, and he would be deported, which is, I mean, madness, truly madness. Um, however, if you guys did see 
today, as of April 12th, Oscar Sheboy sat down with Mitch McConnell and actually was discussing the national legislation laws to be changed so he can actually have an exceptional status as well as anyone else in the U.S. that is a college athlete being eligible to receive NIL money. So it's an extremely exciting time. He's representing not just himself, but the masses that are, uh, you know, in the same boat as himself. So that's a huge decision that has to be made at the national level. And ultimately his decision, whether he goes to the NBA or if he comes back to Kentucky, kind of hangs in the balance of that decision. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a a wonderful point about the NIL. as far as Oscar goes, because I think a lot of people aren't 100% aware of that situation. And, um, you know, obviously that has a lot to do with him coming back. If he can't come back and make money, then I don't think there's really even a debate about what's going to happen. He's going to go pro. But um, can you kind of give people a understanding of um, what his NBA prospect might be like right now and kind of why he may be ultimately leading back to coming back to school if that's if the, the whole NIL thing um, uh, happens the way that, that he wants it to. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Oscar Shibway's current draft stock is a late second-round pick for those of you that maybe don't follow the NBA as closely uh, to college basketball. The NBA draft is actually only comprised of two rounds. And Oscar has himself positioned as a late second round pick. Currently, he sits at uh, second round um, draft pick number 42 to the Charlotte Hornets, where he would join, obviously, some uh, familiar faces if he does go down that route from Big Blue Nation. But ultimately, what's extremely surprising with, you know, the development of NIL deals from, you know, it's announcement and engagement starting last year, Oscar could blow the money that he could make out of the water in the NBA compared to if he stayed at Kentucky and his NIL deal does get an exceptional status and he is able to get uh, a different student visa where he is able to make money. So ultimately, with his current draft position, uh, don't get me wrong, the, the young man really wants to go to the NBA. I mean, just like everyone else, that's his dream. But there's something weighing on his heart even more, and that's obviously just changing his life and his family's life for the trajectory of, you know, generations potentially. Because ultimately, for those of you that may not know, Oscar Sheeway, he's staring down the barrel potentially and estimated anywhere between 5 to the north of $10 million from NIL contracts if he comes back to Kentucky. And to put that into perspective, y'all, uh, honestly, if he signs and gets drafted late second round, 42 and north of that, he's only going to sign about a rookie bonus contract of north of six hundred dollars to $850,000. We are talking a life of a difference in money if this kid comes back. And don't get me wrong, a lot of kids, you know, they want to go to the NBA and they, the NBA loves raw young talent. And one more year, on Oscar, I mean, who knows? That could de- depreciate his value. But at the same time, you know, the way I see it, if this kid comes back and dominates college basketball like the way he does, 
he'll exhaust his college eligibility and he'll still be sitting in the same draft position, if not higher, come this time next year. And then he gets to leave, you know, on his note. But ultimately, it is staggering his opportunity that is facing himself if he does choose ultimately to come back to Big Blue Nation. Yeah, so Sam, I want to, I want you to take, <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. I want you to just take a second and, um, think about what you just said to me in that at this point in college sports, a kid like Oscar Sheway stands to make an, a significant amount of money more if he comes back to college than if he were to go to the NBA. And I know that's not for every kid. But just the fact that that is even something that is on the table now for student athletes, um, it, it blows my mind. It's, it's, it's wild to me. Like this kid can actually come back to school and make more money than if he were to be a professional athlete, which is just, I, it's wild. It's yeah. ludicrous. It's, it's wild. It's ludicrous. No, I, I am right there with you, AJ. I mean, think of years ago when, you know, players were begging for this opportunity. And whether you see eye to eye with name, image, and likeness or not, I mean, these kids are now in the driver's seat of their opportunities. And you're totally right. This just, just, it's a lot to handle. But one thing I am extremely thankful for is to have a man like John Calipari in the realm of all of this for these young athletes, because you know, He's, you know, he's a molder of men and he is going to leverage these opportunities that these young athletes have at Kentucky because there is realistically no better place for a young basketball player than Big Blue Nation. I mean, we are diehard fans and we're going to, you know, we're going to help them make as much money as they can possibly make in, in a single season, whether it's a, you know, a lifelong career at Kentucky, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, Shoot, I was on the other day when when Oscar officially put back of his website, and I was looking at his, you know, merchandise, his T-shirts, and I had to purchase one because yeah, I don't care if I'm going to wear it or not. I'm like, you know, I got to give my money to Oscar. Oh while yeah, because this kid's got to come back. <laughs> oh yeah, we're all Blue Blue Nation will be supporting him uh, no matter what he does. And I'm glad you brought up John Calipari. I just want to touch on him for a second because I think. Um, He's an interesting factor in what's going on with Oscar, only in the sense that, um, and me and you talked about this uh, off air um, last week, so I kind of wanted to bring it up again. But um, we know John Calipari is somebody who is trying to get the guys to to get to the NBA and help their career and, and push them to that next level. And there's nothing wrong with that, and we love that. And um, normally, he's very pro you know let's get this kid to the nba and kind of just like let's do what's best for the kid and you know whatever you know his players first type mentality and just over the last uh, couple weeks since the season's ended he's been a lot more i feel like relaxed as far as his um himself being outspoken about oscar going professional and it 
listen, he's a smart guy. He's a calculated guy. He doesn't just do things for no reason. When he talks, he's saying things because he understands people are going to hear it and he's marketing our program and himself and our team and everything. And he does a great job of that. So I find it really interesting that he has kind of taken a, a little bit of a different approach with Oscar in this, in the way that he's talked about his decision and kind of what he has uh, on the horizon. Your thoughts. Yeah, man, you, you definitely bring up a, a great point. You know, to me, like you said, and not to, you know, beat a dead horse, but John Calipari has always been a player's first type coach. And for the most part of his tenure at Kentucky, that has meant one and dones, get players to the league uh, for the betterment of their opportunity. And there's no better example of why he chooses to do that than his days at Memphis, where, you know, ultimately long before um, one and dones were even a thing, he tells his best player in Wagner that he's got to go to the NBA. He's going to tear up his contract at Memphis and send him packing because he's not he's not eligible with a scholarship next year. And ultimately what happens, he gets, you know, a diagnosis the very next year that he's never going to be able to play basketball again and he secures his bag and the money for his family and changes his life forever. And that is ultimately why John Calipari has always pushed so hard for these players to explore their opportunities. Now, it's a funny point that you bring that up because I think Cal, especially with Oscar and just this new opportunity that is presented by likeness, that explores an entirely different opportunity of how Cal can approach players like Oscar moving forward to where he doesn't have to think in the mentality that their best and only option is to get him and these young athletes to the NBA as soon as possible. Because now, like we just said, that it's absurd what Oscar can make while he's still a college athlete. And that really, like you said, I mean, John Calipari is calculated. He is extremely meticulous in why and what he says and how he approaches these players on a day-in and day-out basis. And, and I ultimately totally agree with you. I think his mentality we're watching it shift right here, right now. And from here on out, I mean, I know Big Blue Nation, you read about them on Twitter, you read about them in the columns. Everyone's so fed up with the one and done. But he's had some major success. But this ultimately could be that jumping off point that changes his mentality and ultimately the players as far as they no longer have to think in one-dimensional, I got to get to the NBA as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, speaking of the NBA, well, let's talk about a guy who has put his name into the NBA draft, and that's Keon Brooks. Um, still a possibility of him coming back to school next year, a possibility of him going to the NBA, a possibility of him not going to the NBA and not coming back to Kentucky. Please explain. Well, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, uh, obviously, as we all know, Keon Brooks has made the decision to test the waters in the NBA, and he ultimately has not signed with an agent, uh, which means he can redeem his eligibility at the college level. Uh, basically, wants to get his feedback as far as where the NBA sees him at his current position. Um, and then, obviously, he'll, he'll speak with his family, his camp, and John 
Kalpari and, and just try to figure out what's best for him. But ultimately, what you, what you bring up is a great point. Um, there's there's three options, and I see it going, truthfully, big blue nation one way. Uh, I see him getting some feedback from the NBA, which is it's just great. That, you know, these athletes have this opportunity, free feedback from the NBA. And why wouldn't you put your name in? especially as a third-year player, and just find out, okay, where do I stand? What do I got to work on? Am I ready for this jump to the NBA? And ultimately, I think Keon in this scenario gets some great feedback and ultimately uh, decides that he needs to come back to college. Now, what you mentioned, I don't think he comes back to Kentucky next year. I think there's a lot that goes into that decision. But if you can recall, AJ, this time last year, after you know a really tough, Basketball season here at Kentucky, uh, Keon actually did put his name into the transfer portal, and he ultimately decided that it was best that he comes back. And you know, to break it down, he had a good year. I mean, a little inconsistent, but he definitely developed as a player. But I, I just think that he gets the feedback that he's looking for from the NBA, and he comes back and he just stares down what his opportunity is with Kentucky this next season. And there truly is a, a huge logjam at that poor position. I just think he he kind of, you know, ultimately puts his name in the transfer portal. And given the circumstances last year and how he chose to come back, I, I just don't see that happening again. Yeah, and uh, very interesting that he did enter his name into the portal last year and then um, decided to come back. I, I, you know, obviously the the transfer portal is a, a newer thing and. I feel like most guys who enter it are very set on, hey, I'm going somewhere else, or they have a plan of going somewhere else, or you know they've graduated and they still have a year of eligibility, so they know, hey, I'm going for one year somewhere else. And um, just kind of interesting that um, he did that last year. He's doing it again this year, and definitely, I mean, you can't blame the kid. He's keeping his options open. He's doing what he has to do and trying to put himself in the best position. Um, and you know. Ultimately, it, it may be in the best interest of our team and uh, for Keon himself um, to possibly find somewhere else to play. Um, love everything he did for us. Definitely got better over the last couple of years. Um, but you said it, it's the consist- consistency thing. Um, and I think with the news of uh, Jacob Toppin, for sure being on the team next year. Um, I think that kind of like this year, there was just a lot of, um, you know, Keon Jacob kind of being similar players. And then is like, they created a mismatch against teams and we were able to able to exploit that. And it was kind of like, I don't know. There's just this like back and forth of like, which one do you play if one's playing better than the other and that, that sort of thing. And I think that kind of just clears some of that out a little bit and kind of let Jacob, um, because we knew he was going to be a project when he transferred over a few years ago and we knew he was going to, it was going to take him some time and he's obviously a freak athlete and he can jump out the gym. And I think this year, I mean, you know, only averaged six points per game, but he shot over 50%. And I know it's not a large uh, sample of shots, but he's he's got a good jumper. He's athletic. He's probably our best defender last season, one-on-one defender for sure. 
Um, so there's a lot to like about him and being able to, to see what he can do, um, coming back next season and really, yep, there's the dog. I was hoping we'd get through this whole thing without <laughs> hearing him, but there he is. Hey there, Mac. Hey yep, there, Mac. I got a dog. His name is Mac and, uh, he's been great so far, but you might hear him from time to time. So, uh, yeah, that's going to happen. Apologize about that. Um, we'll get back to talking about Jacob Toppin real quick, but yeah, um, just kind of interesting how that's I, I thought that was kind of tied into it and I'm just I'm really excited to see Jacob and the steps that he takes next season um, and I think a lot of that has to do with him getting more comfortable getting more playing time and kind of maybe having that hey Keon's out of the picture now I can kind of step in to my role 100% and really take it on and uh, be the best that I can be in that role for the team yeah no, no doubt you agree you Definitely bring up some great points. Uh, you know, ultimately, I want to reiterate, if Keon does decide that, you know, the NBA, he's not ready, and he does come back to Kentucky, I'm willing and extremely excited to welcome him back with open arms. I mean, I, I really do think that he could, with more minutes, build that consistency. But that definitely comes down to Coach Calipari and the direction he wants to take next year's team. I, I think the biggest hindrance, like you said, on this season was we had a couple of very adequate and athletic fours that could get the job done on any given night. And like you said, we did a great job this past season of creating those matchups on every given night against different opponents and exploiting that four position. But then down the stretch, you could see, I mean, no one in that position built consistency throughout the year. Uh, so ultimately, whatever these players decide, I see it being, you know, we have to find clarity in who is the leader. And for me, I think that ultimately is Jacob Toppin. You brought up some great points. I mean, that kid has taken a step forward each year. And I think to compare him to someone that, you know, we all hold near and dear to our hearts, Maybe he takes that huge leap like P.J. Washington. I, I truly do see that development. He's, like you said, he's probably our best on-ball defender. Um, athletic, jump out the gym. He, he has a good jumper. Um, and, and I just think that comes with more consistency, more playing time. And ultimately, I'd, I'd love to see him come back. Uh, there was actually some breaking developing news today regarding Jacob Toppin. He did throw his name in the hat as far as the NBA draft goes. Uh, He's not going to sign an agent. Uh, truthfully, you know, Coach Cal released a statement just on Twitter regarding his decision to do this, and he's excited for him. Uh, just to big illumination, I I want to reiterate: why wouldn't any young athlete do this? I mean, you're going to get some of the best free feedback from NBA scouts, from NBA coaches, from general managers, and, and learn where you stand right now, and then that way you can take it back and you can work on it all season long. So ultimately, like you said, I, I think he's he's definitely coming back next year. I, my heart is it's kind of at like a 95% chance that he's coming back next year. I guess we'll see. Uh, but but that, that definitely gets me excited for what could be next year. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I, don't freak out when kids put their name into the NBA draft waters. It's like you said, it's a totally normal process now. And if it, a guy is thinking about getting to the NBA and he wants that feedback and to really understand, um, 
where you're going to get drafted and kind of how people see you at that next level. It's a very good um, resource for these kids to be able to get that information and then be able to make a solid decision on what they need to do for their career and their future. And then also they can, they can really understand like, Hey, what do I need to do to get myself to that place and put myself in that first round of the NBA draft or whatever it is? And how do I get myself on one of those rosters? Cause, um, it's just, yeah, it's amazing that they can get that feedback and they can get that information and that they can, they use that to their ability to make a proper decision and all that. So, no doubt. um, with that being said, um, you know, we've talked about the transfer portal a little bit in the, the NBA draft water. So let's talk about a guy who has, uh, entered the transfer portal and it seems like, um, doesn't really have any intention of coming back to Kentucky next season. And that would be Bryce Hopkins. He is a player that played sparingly this year. Obviously immensely talented, came in as a pretty high recruit and, you saw flashes throughout the season of his athletic ability and um, rebounding and getting to the basket and just kind of a physical force out there on the basketball court. Um, I would assume he's gotten a lot of attention um, in the portal because of his status as far as his recruit recruitment went, um, even though he didn't play a lot last year. So, can you give us a little bit of an update kind of on what you see with Bryce and if you've heard anything about him um, getting some attention and kind of what his prospects look like for next season? No doubt. I, I think, you know, ultimately we're going to look back and reflect on this decision that he made to transfer as obviously one that we saw coming months away, to be honest. Uh, but at the same time, it's definitely going to be one of those bittersweet, what could have been moments. Um, you know, he, he showed those flashes. Like you said, he never truly carved out a role. And, you know, a lot of scrutiny has been placed on Coach Cal as of late because, you know, late in the season, Bryce Hopkins has an incredible game against LSU. You know, he only plays for 16 minutes, goes for 13 points uh, on five of six shooting. I mean, everyone was amped up that. This kid's got to play. And coach, you know, he he reiterated that. He said, okay, now i got to play him. But like you said earlier, AJ, I mean, you called it out perfectly. It, it's, it was those matchups at that four position. And at that point, Keon had kind of already built his role and carved out that consistent time. Jacob, you know, was eating away at it. Now you got a guy like Bryce. It was ultimately too late in the season to just redevelop our offense. And I know that sounds like a cop-out, but it's truly the definition of that log jam that we had at the four position. Um, and we'll probably look back and say, you know, what could have been because if you don't recall, Bryce Hopkins actually originally committed to Louisville coming out of high school, uh, decommitted, then opened up his recruitment and then cont continued, obviously, his first season uh, with Kentucky. And now he's obviously entered into the transfer portal and you're seeing his name flash around like crazy. I mean, like you said, he's, he's highly athletic. He has a decent jumper. I mean, he can get to the basket with his, his physique. He is definitely a talent here at the college level that a lot of colleges are already showing interest in. Um, for starters, that's, 
Western Kentucky, that's Louisville, again, has already reached back out with Kenny Payne at the helm. And, uh, another big one is actually Illinois. I mean, Illinois just keeps creeping up on some of our young talent. Obviously, the decommitment of Sky Clark, and they scooped him up, and he's going back home where he's from. And obviously now they're showing interest in Bryce. So, you know, he, he's going to land himself in a better opportunity where he can carve out and a consistent role where he can develop his game and really shine as a young athlete. But, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a personal farewell and definitely will look back at, at what could have been. But don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it had to happen. We just have too many at that four spot. And, and Cal clearly wants to go in a different direction. Uh, I think it was a mutual break, breakup. I'm not sitting here in my room crying about this. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely one of those could have been maybe like, you know, Cameron Fletcher and, you know, some of the other transfers that have come down in years past, Johnny Juzang. But, um, you know, I, I still wish him the best. I think he's going to be a great talent wherever he lands. I am glad you brought up Johnny Juzang because that is exactly where I was going next because I still have a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Um, you know, I know not every guy who's left and transferred has become a star and ask you, um, transferred to Texas and he, you know, not a bad season or whatever, but it's not like he set the world on fire or anything like that. I just, the, the, the thing with, with Johnny Juzang, I just, it, I guess it just irks me a little bit, frustrates me a little bit and just kind of leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth because I'm, I never want a good player to leave and go and do great things for another school. And I'm more than happy for Johnny and I'm really proud of him for what he's done out there at UCLA. But, you know, it just stings a little bit when he's out there in a UCLA jersey and you know, we had the Kentucky one on. And I'm not saying that that's what Bryce is going to do, but I still just always have a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth when guys take off and leave and go somewhere else. But hey, you know, that's just a part of the game now. And yep. we're going to have to live and learn. And uh, just kind of deal with it as it comes. So, you know, no, it is what it is. You're, yeah, you're totally right, man. It, it's, it definitely leaves that sour taste. And although we, we're going to root these kids on no matter where they land, it, it does make it a little more difficult. You, you almost get that, that jealousy built up. And you're like, damn it, you know, why didn't they fall like that for us? But, uh, you know, just to kind of harp on something that Cal always says during recruitment processes, it's just, you know, this isn't for everyone, you know, and I truly believe that motto because Kentucky basketball is like no other. We are the Goliath. And every time the opponent steps on our court or we step on theirs, they're trying to beat the brakes out of us. And it's true. I mean, you have to come into Kentucky with a different mentality. Um, you have to come in and play Cal's way. And a lot of players just that, that never happens. And, you know, ultimately with the transfer portal being what it is now and obviously having a one-time transfer rule where you maintain your eligibility and you don't have to sit out nowadays. I mean, that's that's bound to happen, but don't get me wrong. I, I'm right there with you, man. It's, it, it stings just to watch them go off and, you know, have an extremely successful career elsewhere and you sit here and think, you know, what could have been? What could have been? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Sam, we have been sitting here and we've been talking for a little over a half an hour now. And uh, I f feel like there is a giant elephant in this room right now. 
and uh, the elephant goes by the name of Shaded Sharp. We have not talked about him. He's been on the team for a year. We didn't get to see him play last year. We've been amped up and ready to watch him and come in and play next year. An extremely highly recruited player. Um, a lot of anticipation with this guy. I mean, and now we're all hearing that he could potentially just go straight to the NBA. So, um, for the people who may not understand, can you kind of explain a little bit um, the process of how he is able to go into the NBA draft this year and what this whole situation is looking like? Because from where I'm sitting right now, my head, my my mind's in a pretzel. Honestly, I don't know what's going on. I'm stressing out about this kid. I want him so badly to come to Kentucky and put on that jersey. And this whole thing just seems crazy to me that he could potentially go to the NBA without ever stepping foot on the court for Kentucky. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. And I mean, gosh, when we're talking about what could have been, there's no bigger what could have been. That will happen for Big Blue Nation if Shady Sharp ultimately does declare for the draft and, uh, you know, never steps on the court with a Kentucky jersey on. That's going to be obviously um, a very tough pill to swallow, but let's get out in front of this. Ultimately, I think that's coming. So, uh, you know, Big Blue Nation strap in. Let's get ready for this. Uh, you know, I'm leaning at maybe, maybe a 25% chance. You know, I fluctuate. I know me and you talk on the daily about, you know, all these kids' decisions, where I stand and what I'm hearing. But um, for those of you that didn't hear off air, I used to be at maybe like a 45% chance, uh, and it's drastically declining. And there's a lot of reasons that go into that decision. And like you said, I mean, everyone's mind is just an pretzel. No, no one truly understands how this kid could never play in a college basketball game yet still have the eligibility to go to the NBA. Um, like you said, he came into uh, the Kentucky locker room midway last year after the first semester ended. He arrived in Lexington um, right around January, which actually serves as a half year of eligibility for his college um, tenure. So, with that under his belt, he's actually eligible to enter into the NBA draft. So, obviously, that's tough for us. I mean, all we're sitting here begging is for the opportunity to watch this kid ball and make that in a Kentucky basketball jersey. But ultimately, I don't know if that's going to um, come into fruition. But, uh, you know, I got to say my prayers every night and hope that somehow uh, those are heard and he comes back. Yeah, so um, how are these NBA scouts thinking that he's going to be such a high draft pick if he didn't play in it last year? I mean, are they just strictly going based off of his his high school um, playing and then just, you know, obviously they're thinking, okay, he spent a year at Kentucky, he's, he's going to improve, he didn't play in games, but he's obviously gotten better. I mean, have they seen this kid work out lately? Have they seen him play? Or is this just all... Uh, you know, going based off of what he's done in the past as far as his high school career. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he actually hasn't worked out with anyone yet. Um, he has not made an announcement, and that is actually confirmed 
by his camp as of today. So, you know, that's actually some fresh news. They just reiterated the importance that, you know, a, a decision soon will be rendered. Um, and there is the absolute certainty that he will be entering his name into the NBA draft. Um, you know, so just stay tuned there. He, it sounds like he's ultimately going to be, you know, keeping his eligibility. He will not hire an agent, so he could return to college basketball next season. But, um, you know, that decision is coming. But his camp did just reiterate today that, you know, he's still in school. He's trying to wrap up. There's a lot on his mind, but they haven't ultimately made a decision. Um, so we're waiting on that. But, yeah, that you know, NBA scouts right now, they're just going solely off of his performance at uh, the high school level. Um, one definitely stands out in mind is his performance at the EYBL camp uh, tournament. About this time, actually last year, uh, during his high school career, he averaged at that turn 26.2 points a day. I mean, this kid, he's 6'6", he's 200 pounds, he can score at all three levels. He's a great on-ball defender, he's athletic, he plays with a poise that just brings joy to the game of basketball. And I, I'm not over-exaggerating this kid. I, he reclassified, and he is still the number one recruit in the class of 2022. I mean, that is just, it's unheard of. This is the biggest get that John Calipari has had in a long time for the nation. I think that's ultimately why everyone is spinning and sick to their stomachs to think this kid may ultimately never put on a Kentucky jersey and step onto our home court. And, you know, that's devastating. That's going to be hard to replace. Um, you know, you can't just go to the transfer portal and, and grab a guy that averages or could have averaged, you know, 20 points a night. That, that's difficult, man. There's, there's not that many guys. So I, I get the, uh, the hair on fire concern out of big rotation right now, but you really can't blame this kid. I mean, uh, you can't blame John Calipari. Every other coach in the nation would have taken this kid on his roster this past season and let him set and obviously develop his game. So he could return, and obviously, I'm sure having his presence on the court during practice in the locker room, it was a huge benefit for our team. It, it just sucks because it's it's definitely one of those scenarios that if he does leave, it's going to be one of the biggest gut punches we've had in a long time. Yeah, you know, um, I thought you said something pretty interesting there um, because, you know, Obviously, Cal's been out there recruiting this kid for a long time and planning on having him as a part of our roster next season, a big part of our roster, you know, the focal point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's no replacing that. And I, I don't want to get too much into this. We could say this for another day. But um, if he ultimately decides to go to the NBA, do you think that takes our team um, down a level and pushes us back as far or like is going to, you know, do you think it's going to have quite an impact on our roster and our team? Um, or do you think it's something where even if he does leave, we still have enough in place here to contend next season and to, to possibly get to a final four? Or is this something where this kid is almost going to make or break what our roster looks like? Yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, it's going to be a tough blow. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. And I think that it does change the trajectory of, I'll say the ceiling of next season 
for Kentucky basketball. I, I mean, ultimately, if you get him back, um, you know, that, that could be definitely the ceiling of a final four uh, and national cha- championship aspirations. However, and I mean this with my whole dying heart, if Oscar Shibwe comes back next season, I'm not saying forget Shaden Sharp. I'm not saying that because if we get them both, dude, we are we are cooking with grease, and it is you know this campus is going to be on fire. Hell, we might we might throw a parade if both these kids come back, like we won the national championship. Uh, but ultimately, in all seriousness, I, I think if Oscar comes back and Shaden leaves, then we still have that Final Four. Um, expectations and those are those are truly you know they're, they're not a long shot by any means if you're looking at the way too early and we're talking way too early top 25 uh, for next season for the 2022-2023 season uh, Kentucky's right there man we, we're at number one we're at number three we're at number five and uh you read into the blogs, dude. That's without Oscar. That's without Shady Charm. You know th- these two kids. One of them could change the tra- trajectory of next season. Two of them. I mean, that changes everything. Um, I'd love to see Shaden back. I don't want to have to have that what if scenario in my head run through all of next season and almost use it as a stupid crutch, saying, you know, gosh, would have just had Shaden and this game, that game down the stretch. I don't want that, but uh, but ultimately, I think that's what happens. But you, you kind of lighten the glow if Big O returns to to campus for us. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and I think that's why me and the rest of Big Blue Nation, I would assume, is so anxiously awaiting all of these decisions and why we really needed to t- talk about a lot of this because I think you know. Big Blue Nation, they're smart people. They understand basketball and they understand what is potentially ahead of us next season. I mean, you already said it and I've, I've seen it too out there. And I've even seen ones where I've seen people say if, you know, if Kentucky has those kids, they're a clear number one favorite for next season, like clear number one team going into the season. And I think we understand what the potential, I mean, obviously on paper, we, we haven't seen I, I, everything put together and whatnot, but with a shade in, and with the potential of Oscar coming back and being a part of that, I mean, you know, we haven't even gotten into the kids who are going to be here next year, but if Oscar and Shaden are there, I mean, you can't deny the impact that that's going to have in just the sheer awesomeness <laughs> for lack of better terms <laughs> of our basketball team next season amen to that yeah amen to that i mean there's some big decisions that still need to be made uh you know we're all holding our breath the nice thing is some of these decisions have had you know a, a level of a timetable as to what we can expect uh the one we haven't gotten is, is shaden there's definitely going to be you know something coming soon um you know, who knows? Maybe his draft stock goes down once he gets out and works out. I don't know. I don't necessarily wish bad for that, but you know, <laughs> at the same time, wouldn't be the know, worst thing. Now it would wouldn't it? be the worst thing. And his camp has such a level head. They even reiterated today to some of the other news outlets here in Lexington. Um, 
that they haven't made a decision, but the expectation still remains that, you know, they have to weigh their options, but they're not saying he's not going to come back. They're not saying that. They just have to get the right feedback. And, you know, ultimately, if this kid's going to go top six in the draft, you know, he's gone. He is. He's gone. But don't get me wrong, I've seen it. Plenty of mock drafts that could inspire a little glimpse of hope for Big Blue Nation. So don't quite count Shade and Sharp out yet. Let's just hang on. And, you know, we're going to cover this from start to finish. There is going to be so much content coming your guys' way. But, uh, yeah, we're going to be here for all. Shaden, uh, if you're listening, doubt you are, because this is our first episode ever. <laughs> but if you ever find yourself on this page and you're listening to our podcast, uh, I'm going to make my pitch to you real quick. Instead of going to the NBA this year, and I know you can go and you can get your feet in there and you can start to get to work and do everything that you've dreamed of ever doing. And I get that 100%. But there is something special about putting on that Kentucky uniform and being in front of those fans and stepping out onto that court in Rupp Arena. And if you come to school next year, you have a legitimate shot to do something extremely special with this group of players. I'm talking Final Four, a championship, cementing yourself as a staple of Kentucky basketball, putting yourself in the history book, the record books, all of that. You have an opportunity to make money while going to school, which you're definitely going to be able to do because you are a superstar basketball player. And then... When you're done doing all that and collecting all your hardware at the college level, you can go be the number one pick in the draft after that because everybody will want you after all that goes down at Kentucky next season. And there you go. That's my pitch, Shaden. If you ever hear it, (laughs) I hopefully have convinced you to stay an extra year and come play for the Cats. Amen to that. And, Shaden, you get to do it in all new Kentucky basketball uniforms. Out with the checkerboards, in with the new. Come on, man. Come on. It's time. You can do this. It's time. All right. Well, with that being said, um, real quick, we're just going to kind of go over a few of the players that are departing this year, say our farewells. And, uh, yeah, we'll lead you into the end and get you wrapped up here shortly, okay? Um. So the first guy we want to talk about is Davion Mintz. And Sam, I will let you have the floor. You can kind of give your parting words and uh, your farewell to Mr. Mintz there. Uh, this one kind of hurts, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm super proud of Davion and what he was able to accomplish here at Kentucky. I mean, this is a kid that transferred in a few years back and, and really left his mark here. Um, you know, I, I remember the excitement when he made his announcement that he was transferring to Kentucky and, you know, the opportunity that we are going to be able to have with his leadership, with his poise, with his score-making ability, especially from three. And I think he lived up to that expectation. He's going to be missed for sure by Big Blue Nation. I mean, if we think back to the just god-awful season we had last year, you know, not this past season, but the year before, the one that we're never going to talk about again. Yeah. He was truly, you know, our our only bright spot. He led us in scoring. He he kept us in games all year long, and, and I think that's how we're going to remember him. I, I mean, he kind of cemented himself as our go-to player that year. And, you know, I know his role 
evolved this year, and he came off the bench. But, yeah, I mean, dude, he averaged double-digit points coming off the bench. He was consistent as consistent could be, and I'm really going to miss this kid. Um, you know, I, I wish him all the best. Uh, he was definitely the bright spot, and that's all I remember. Yeah, I I will just reiterate what you just said. I think back to two seasons ago, and it wasn't very fun, and there were a lot of dull moments and a lot of, uh, at least on my end, a lot of sad faces going going around. And um, to turn on the TV, and even when we're losing and not playing great and struggling, um, to see that kid out there with a smile on his face and being a leader and rallying the troops and doing everything that he could to try to get things back on track and to do, you know, do the best that he could is, is definitely how I remember him. You know, I mean, not the greatest player we've ever had, but I mean, <laughs> you got to love the heart. You got to love the effort. And he really was a true Kentucky Wildcat. I mean, that's exactly what we're looking for in a player. And it was a pleasure to watch him and, and have him as a part of our program for a couple of years, for sure. No doubt. No doubt. And I, I think, you know, although this next player's time was, short-lived uh, at Kentucky, you know, the, the next guy we got to say goodbye to is Kelly Grady. And I mean, gosh, you know, I don't know where Big Blue Nation is going to personally store his, you know, legacy in their minds, but I'd be remiss if I said that it's anything short of, of greatness. I mean, truly, I know he struggled down the stretch, but gosh, the way I'm going to remember Kellen is that, you know, he finished 111th all-time in NCAA scoring. There's been of great names that have come through college basketball, and that guy is he's knocking on the doorstep there. I mean, he finished with 88 threes this year, which ties him with 8th best all-time for UK history. He did it in one season, guys. He did it in one season. I mean, we remember some of those games. He was on fire. He could not miss it. And I know that's how I'm going to remember him. You know, just following him all year long in his post-game pressers, his pre-game pressers, that kid, he leads. And he has an accountability and a responsibility to him that is going to follow him through the rest of whatever he does in life, whether that be on the ball court or elsewhere. This kid takes ownership and responsibility for everything he does. And clearly, he can adapt to any scenario. I and mean, look at how he stepped up the big nation when you know, our guards go down and he has to become our point guard. Shoot, he was terrific. He was terrific. And I know that kind of changed the trajectory of our season and, you know, how he saw himself and what his role was. But that's a leader through and through. And, I, I you know, I'm proud and honored that he chose Kentucky to come and really keep his mark on our program. Yeah, um, completely agree with what you're saying. And I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach as far as um, – Kellen Grady goes. Um, just something that I think um, is a little noteworthy. Um, more in the big picture of things, um, not just so this season. Um, you know, we both watched Kentucky basketball for a long time. And if there's one thing I can tell you, uh, we've never been a notoriously big three-point shooting team, ever. And even when the game changed a little while back and I mean you can say Steph Curry changed it sure he was definitely a big part of it and him going to the NBA and doing what he's done and it's kind of trickled down to you know even a even at the, the level of young kids shooting jacking up threes and stuff and 
Calipari was never a guy who, you know, his offense is more of a dribble drive. And um, we've had some very skilled big men over the years and stuff like that. And I think a lot of teams have adapted their offense into uh, more of a let's open the court up a little bit and shoot some more threes and stuff like that. And I think we we tried to do it in the past a little bit and whatnot, but we've never really had some. I mean, we've had some good three point shooters, but we've never just like, hey, this guy. 100% locked down, knocked down all the time. And the way that basketball is going a little bit, I think we may look back on this season and appreciate Callan Grady for bringing that three-point shot back to Lexington in a sense of, I think maybe Calipari understands that it is an important part of the game now because it's worth more than two points and everyone's shooting them. And I'm not saying you got to go out there and jack up a bunch. But I do think that, you know, we had a Ken Palm top-rated offense all season. We could score the ball, and Kellen was very good at getting open and getting those shots off, and Davion as well. And I just think that I going forward, we you may see a little bit more of that three-point shot for the Kentucky Wildcats on a consistent basis. And uh, I think that if we can develop that as part of our offense, then we become an extremely dangerous team. And I think that people are going to look back on the season and think, you know, he was kind of the guy that got that whole thing going and really, really brought that back to Lexington a little bit. And some guys are going to kind of hop on his shoulders a little bit and, and uh, he's going to pass the torch on to them as far as, as, far as the three-point shot goes. Hell of a point. Hell of a point, man. I, I totally agree with that. Okay, so there's one last player that we need to say goodbye to. And I'm very sad because I feel like we got a little bit robbed with Ty Ty this year. And, you know, not going to blame the guy for not coming back to school. Hell of a ball player. He's got real potential at the NBA level, and that's why he's going to the NBA next season and um super happy for him and but yeah I just feel like we got a little cut short because he was playing so well and you know he turns his ankle he gets injured a little bit and just never really looked like the same player and then we get bounced in the first round of the tournament you never really got to see all that he could be but we saw it for times and flashes and I just really love that kid's game. He just so smooth, so under control, pure jump shot, just kind of that unsung hero leader of the team. Doesn't really have to say a whole ton, just leads by example, leads with his play. And, you know, I'm so happy for the kid and wish him all the best. I just, you know, feel like we got a little robbed, but hey, it is what it is. I'm I'm happy we got to watch him play, and man, did he put on quite some performances this season. No, you're you're totally right, and it's going to be you know a tough one to not see Ty Ty back. But I, you know, all year long we knew he was going to be a lottery pick, and you know I'm extremely excited that he lived up to that expectation. I think you're totally right. You know, some of the injuries that we faced, it's a little bummer. It feels like a little bit of what could have been just wish that he could have been healthy down the stretch and help make that run come uh, NCAA tournament. But you know, ultimately, we, we miss out on that opportunity. But, I, I mean, you, you totally said it best. He was an extremely consistent player when he was healthy. Uh, you know, just such a fluid scorer. And, and I think he's going to be one of those guys that 
ultimately falls in the category of the Emmanuel Quigley. It's the, you know, Tyrese Maxey's of Kentucky basketball history that, gosh, yeah, they were great while they were at Kentucky. Don't get me wrong, but you look at the step and the leap that they take once they make it to the NBA, I just think his mold of his game is going to fit perfectly at the next level, and I'm extremely excited to root him on wherever he lands. Uh, but, but, I mean, that that guy is just an incredible young talent, and I'm extremely excited for him. I, I thank him for, obviously, his leadership and, and poise throughout the season. I wish him the best. I just wish, you know, like you said, we could have gotten a little more. Uh, but by no means is that his fault, and uh, you know, I'm just happy that we got to watch him play. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. So, that is the end of our episode today. That's all we got for you guys. We're going to have another episode coming out shortly. We're going to record it this weekend, and we'll have it out by the end of the week. And we are going to talk about all of the incoming players for next season. So today, we obviously went over all the decisions, players leaving, what's going on. Next time, we're going to give you an in-depth look at the three incoming freshman players that we have for next season that we are excited about seeing. And we're also going to give you a little bit of a deep dive on CJ Frederick, our transfer from Iowa, who sat out the entire season because of an injury. And we're just going to give you a little background on him, what his game's like, all that sort of fun stuff, and get you guys excited about the new players we got coming in next season. I want to thank you all for listening today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for dealing with us, being a little bit, you know, it's our first time. We're making it work. (laughs) We're having some fun, all right? We're doing our best here. It's going to get better over time. I appreciate you guys dealing with us and hanging in there with us and having some fun and talking Kentucky basketball. I'm going to give it over to Sam here for a second, and we're just going to give you a little background uh, on who we are, um, why we're so passionate about Kentucky and Big Blue Nation, and um, just kind of what's to ex- what, what is to expect on the podcast uh, going forward and uh, just kind of tie it all up with a nice bow on this first episode and uh, and go on from there. Yes, sir. Well, I mean, you couldn't have said it better, man. Things are going to heat up, so stay tuned. We're going to be coming with content nonstop for you guys. I know it's the offseason for both basketball and football, but, you know, we're going to give you everything that you could possibly need and then some to digest for uh, Kentucky sports, men's basketball, football, so stay tuned. Um, Yeah, I mean, this this game, basketball, this, this campus, this college is just what runs through my brother and I's veins. And I know everyone says they bleed blue, but I, I swear to God, AJ, if you cut me open, I'm almost positive Kentucky blue would just start spilling out. I, I know it turns to red once it hits oxygen, but I, I don't think that's the case for me. And I know uh, you, you of all people know I'm not lying when I say that. I mean, we grew up uh, in a Kentucky household, um, moving around a lot of northern states, but our hearts always were in the bluegrass. That is for sure. I mean, our grandpa went there uh, to the university. I know all of our cousins have gone there. I had the pleasure of recently graduating from the University of Kentucky, and I remember pride. Um, but, you know, my earliest memories are watching Kentucky basketball games with you and torturing ourselves, where if we're losing, we got to sit on the floor, and if we're winning, we we get to sit on the couch and, and 
sit on our throne of champions. And, you know, it, it truly dates all the way back. We spend 24-7 talking to each other about Kentucky basketball, Kentucky football. You know, I think it was about time that you approached and said, hey, man, why don't we just start giving the people what they want, another fresh perspective. And that's exactly what we're going to try to do for you guys is just come at it with a, another fresh angle. Obviously, stay up to date, give you all the information that you want on Kentucky basketball and football. And shoot, man, I, I'm getting amped up. It's going to be a heck of a ride. There is a lot coming your guys' way. But uh, but yeah, ultimately, you're, you're going to get you know, two diehard fans that just bleed blue and always will. Yeah, to piggyback off what you were saying, I mean, from the day that we could even walk and talk and knew what basketball was, Kentucky basketball was on the TV, and you you brought up our grandpa, and it's funny you say that because the man literally had to stop watching Kentucky games when he got older because <laughs> it gave him too much anxiety, and guess what? His blood's pumping through my veins, and I'm the exact same way. I'm only 28 years old, and I can already see the writing on the wall. Someday I'm going to have to stop watching, but I hope that day never comes because I don't ever want to stop watching the Cats play basketball and football. So, Amen to that. Yes, like Sam said, we are two diehard fans. We are two brothers. We live this every day. It's all we know. It's all we do, and we just want to be a part of this whole experience of going through the emotions and everything that goes into being a fan of um, these two sports teams, and we want to do it with you guys. We want to be there through the highs and the lows and come on here and have fun and react to everything that's going on and really keep you guys plugged in and uh, tuned in with everything that's going on with the Kentucky Wildcats men's basketball and football program. That is episode one of the All Out Kentucky Podcast. We will be back next time for episode two. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks for tuning in. Sam, I will see you next time, my friend. See you, y'all. <laughs>